Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, Caregiver Nation. I hope everyone's doing well. It's December. It's that time of year for the holidays and family and all the things that we love about just being together and celebrating and being around the people that we love. And today, I'm really happy to have a guest in the studio. Annabelle Bolin is here, and we're going to talk about her family, her mom and her dad, and how Alzheimer's has impacted her life. And I appreciate her sharing her journey with us. I want to give you a little background uh, before we get started. Annabelle is a communications assistant for the Denver Broncos Football Club. She graduated from the University of Colorado, Denver, earning a Bachelor of Arts degree in communications with a certificate in digital studies. She has a profound experience being a caretaker for her mother and late father who have suffered from Alzheimer's disease. I know this personally. She is passionate about public speaking on how she has been touched by Alzheimer's, and she's hoping that it will help everyone that's diagnosed or caretaking for someone living with the disease. She's a strong leader in advocating for research, support, and developments for those living with Alzheimer's and other types of dementia. Annabelle, welcome. Thank you. I'm so glad to have you here today. I am so glad to be here, too. This is awesome. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about how Alzheimer's or various dementias have affected their families. Mm -hmm. And there's a stigma out there that it's just a crazy person's disease. These people just get this disease, they lose who they are, their personality changes, and somehow or another, the face and the personality of, of that person seems to get lost in the shuffle. And you and I share something. We are hell-bent on making sure that changes. I agree completely with you. Right. I really do. I think it's uh, it's definitely something difficult to talk about. But for me, I have noticed that when I talk about it, I'm able to kind of cope with how it's a struggle and a challenge for me. Um, I'm able to, you know, speak about it to everybody that I need to, you know, share that may have that stigma around it or just doesn't have any idea about the disease. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when I am able to, you know, speak about it in a public setting, I'm able to get off my chest or something that I've been holding inside for a really long time. And I don't think it should be something that people are embarrassed about uh, because this is happening and it's happening to so many people. It is. And I shared with you before we came on the air that you and I belong to a club we'd really rather not, but I was 25 when my mom was diagnosed, and you're a pretty young woman. Yeah, I'm 28. 28. Mm -hmm. So you, you were in about the same range I was when we both found out about me, my mom, you, your dad, mm -hmm. and 
That's devastating as a young person. Yeah, I think it's uh, extremely devastating for someone who's young and still has so much life ahead of them and, and looks to their parents for advice and who, who look up to them and, and feel like they can call them and, and get information that they may need, need about growing up. And, and you kind of lose that when your parent is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. That's true. There were many times I wanted to call my mom and ask her about something I did when I was younger or how she handled maybe menopause when when she was at a certain age and things like that. And uh, I never got the chance to do that. I know. And it's like simple questions too that you get sad about. Like sometimes, I mean, I've spoken about this before. I just want to know what to cook for dinner and or how to put something in the oven. And I'm not able to discuss that with her as much as I used to, and that's that's hard. One of the things I love about your family, and for whatever all intents and purposes, the Bolin family is like royalty in Denver and Colorado because you own our beloved Denver Broncos, right? The football yes. club. And in 2014... The organization of the of the Broncos decided to take a big step and include the Alzheimer's Association in your health and wellness community partners, mm-hmm. and I love that. I, I was know. I was with the association when that happened. Uh, it meant a lot to me. But I'd like to know from your standpoint, can you tell my listeners, you know, what that partnership entails? What does it mean? And what impact do you think you're going to be able to have with that partnership on this fight against Alzheimer's? Yeah, so when my father was diagnosed, um, my mom was really at the forefront and decided that it would be a good idea to team up with an organization like the Alzheimer's Association to help those who are also struggling um, with Alzheimer's disease and for us, it was it was important, and my mom was always about giving back, and so was my father, and they agreed that this would be one of the best partnerships, and since there's not, at the time, there was not, and still there's not a lot of information about Alzheimer's out there, they thought this was a good way to use their platform um, and talk about the disease and team up with a great organization. And the Alzheimer's Association has been tremendous for my family um, through the beginning stages and throughout this whole process because without them, I don't think we would have known how to navigate the disease with my father and my mother. Um, So since 2014, like you said, the Denver Broncos and my family have raised more than $700,000 for the Alzheimer's Association, um, which they are a premier resource to many of those living in Colorado uh, with dementia and their families and caregivers. Um, The Broncos, I, I mean, personally, I have participated in the walk to end Alzheimer's since 2014, and it's been a special event that I look forward to every year because so many people come together who are either touched by it or living with the disease. And it feels just like a big family at that event. Um, So we really got involved with that and um, helped them raise funds for 
the walk and and for the Alzheimer's Association and it's it's been it's been a blast and it's also been challenging but it's something that I think my mom and my father felt like it was right to do and my mother was my huge inspiration um, and that's why I've really teamed up with Alzheimer's Association as well because she really put herself out there in such a difficult time and you know you're kind of raw and she still you know made public appearances and and tried to bring awareness around this disease and so she's I don't know she's incredible and I feel inspired by her and so that I try to you know take those characteristics and and put it into my own life and then also with helping the Alzheimer's Association um, we also do a training camp every year with mm-hmm. the Alzheimer's Association, and um, that's where everyone comes to practice and wears purple, and that's more of like a awareness day, and we also raise funds for the walk. Oh, that's beautiful. And that was the last year that I was in charge of the walk when your family became involved. Oh, my goodness. So I left the Alzheimer's Association in 2015, but I remember how big of a draw that was that year to get more people there and to have bigger fundraising. So I thank you for that because that was a very successful year for us. Oh, I'm sure. I I mean, and my mom is so good at gathering people together when there is something that, you know, needs attention. Right. She's really good at that. (laughs) She always has been. So your dad, we're going to shift gears and talk Mm -hmm. about your dad, was affectionately known as Mr. B here in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And truly, I I don't think that a lot of of owners are as beloved as he was. Everywhere he went, standing ovations, people wanted to meet him, they wanted to talk to him. He was so warm and he was so engaging with people. What a what a beautiful man. Yeah, he really cared about his fans. Yeah. And he really cared about the community in Denver. So Tell me a little bit about him and some of your favorite memories of him growing up. So my father was probably one of the most humble human beings I've ever known in my life. He was funny. He's loving. He's caring. And he brought so much light into my life. Uh, He was a big inspiration to me. Uh, throughout my education and going into my um, own careers. He he really just knew how to position himself as not being one of those owners who's really out and in your face, but he wanted everybody to know inside the organization that it's them. They, they are what makes the Denver Broncos, the players, the coaches, and the staff. He always thought they deserved all the awards and all the acknowledgement. And he he really didn't want any of the acknowledgement on him. <laughs> he was like, I, I it's it's not me, it's you. And that's kind of how I carry myself today is I I want people to know that it's a collective, you know, togetherness. Mm-hmm. And it's not just always about me, it's about others too. Right. What was it like, you know, on Saturday mornings or Christmases, just 
at the Bolin house? Just a regular, normal family? Oh my gosh, it was wild. Because <laughs> there's so many of us. There was never a dull or boring moment um, at the Bolin house on a Saturday morning or during Christmas. We were all running around like crazy and you know, it was it was fun. It was it was never boring, like I said. <laughs> you know, um, my but I think my favorite memories at home with my dad would be at our house in Hawaii. Uh, I spent with him a lot of time with him there because that was during the off season, and so he was able to step away from work and and just put his full time into spending with us. Could you have pizza nights and popcorn in front of a big screen watching movies and things like that? Um, not exactly. We would do, <laughs> like, fish dinners, and we would go to steakhouses and his favorite restaurants. Um, we also belonged to the Outrigger Canoe Club, and those memories are engraved in me because that's where we really spent most of our time with him. Um, I joined the Outrigger Canoe Club paddling team, and he was an avid canoe surfer. And so he was so excited um, to watch me paddle in these regattas and these races. And he was a big supporter of mine um, throughout that time. <laughs> so it was it was really fun to have him there and, and watch, watch me paddle and race. Um, there's one memory, I'll never forget it. I was, uh, it was on the 4th of July, and we were in a race, and we were like one of those top people to win. And the girls, and it was a six-man canoe, and we got into that canoe, and my dad came down to watch me early morning, and we got into that canoe, and we started racing these other, you know, areas of the island, and we were, and we were racing down, <laughs> and I can see my dad just jumping like, you got this. <laughs> and and we ended up winning that race. And he, I could see him on the beach and he was jumping up and down. So excited. It's like we just had won the Super Bowl. And he was like, woo. He was so <laughs> excited. And he like ran up to the boat. And I'll just, that is such a special memory to me to oh, have him there. I love that. And you're married now. Yes. Was mm -hmm. he able to be at your wedding? Yes. So that was another very special memory. Um, we had a small wedding in the backyard at my parents' house, and my father was able to walk me down the aisle. Aww. And we practiced every single day leading up to that day, um, and, it, and it went really well. And I'm so blessed that I had that moment with him. And we kind of rushed things so that he could walk me down the aisle. Mm -hmm. because I did not want to not have him there for that. I am so happy for you. <laughs> yes, and I actually wore my mother's wedding dress, too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So just so it would kind of be familiar for him what mm -hmm. was happening, mm -hmm. I tried to make some certain touches that would make it would just, that he would get it. Did and, you? And I think he did. Did you get a first dance with him, a daddy? We we kind of did, but he was being shy about it. Oh. So we kind of just like, you know, <laughs> held hands and, and walked away. And he was like, I'm not going to dance right now. And I said, that's fine. I said, that's <laughs> fine. You don't have to dance. He was a very good dancer, though. Oh, nice. A very good dancer. 
Nice. Yeah, I think I get some of my dance moves from him. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You know, it must have been difficult that he was so successful with the Broncos Mm -hmm. and then eventually inducted into the Hall of Fame. But it was posthumously. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that being there in his place and, you know, probably feeling his presence, but the pride you felt, you know, with your dad's enormous accomplishments and everybody in Denver and the whole Colorado, I think the entire country actually, was so happy that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. What was that like when he wasn't there? I was... I felt honored, but I also felt sad that he could not be there. But I also know he didn't like the attention on himself. Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a reason for that. Um, But I think it's one of the most amazing and incredible experiences that I've had Mm -hmm. in my lifetime. I mean, my dad always said, and, and my sister Brittany has also mentioned this, that's where legends go. And so to realize that my dad was becoming a legend was, I can't even put it into words. Well, and it wasn't, I I mean, a lot of it was three Super Bowl wins, and a lot of it was how many successful seasons he brought to the Broncos with his leadership. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it was about the man. It was, and and there were so many other things he had done for the, the game that I didn't realize until he had passed away and, and he'd been inducted to the Hall of Fame. Like what? Like, um, just like the contract deals that he did with NFL Network and um, just the way that he set things up for players to make sure that they were protected, um, the way he, you know, was one of those owners and owners' meetings that really spoke up and, and brought things to the league. He had a really close relationship with Roger Goodell mm-hmm. um, and Paul Tagliabue. And when they talk about him, they just share how amazing he was and, and how much he brought to the table. Um, and there's not a lot of owners out there that do that. I mean, there are, but he was one of those who really stood up and and made decisions on things. He made it a priority. Yeah, and he he did a lot for the community. He gave back as much as possible and he made a lot of decisions on for fans to make the game like the most beloved thing in their lives. Really? Yes. I don't think people realize that. I don't think people do because I didn't really understand like understand the magnitude of what he had done for the mm-hmm. NFL until all of this. Like it was like, wow, this is my dad. That is so <laughs> cool. And the memories of being with Greek during that time right. and having him unveil my dad's bust with us. Mm-hmm. It it's like a dream. Oh, that's and I could beautiful. feel my dad's spirit there with us. Mm-hmm. I really could. It was such a special moment. I'm so glad. Do you remember the first two Super Bowls? 
Sort of, not completely. Um, there's just brief little moments that I do remember. Um, you were pretty young. Yes, I was very young. I just remember how cool it was that we were going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> and I guess the the memory that really comes out to me is the parades. Oh, yes. Right. The parades were so freaking cool. Like, they <laughs> were awesome. And... I remember my dad hosting up the trophy and saying, you know, this one's for John and then this one's for you. Right. I won't forget those memories. Right. Did he remember those memories in the end? I used to, um, you know, trying to like have a a good meeting with him. I would, I'd bring out the videos of him hoisting up the trophy and, and I think he would know. He would smile at me. Mm-hmm. He enjoyed when I would show him certain videos and memories like that. That's one of the hardest things that I think people just don't understand. Mm-hmm. My my biggest fear mm-hmm. was realized one day, and that was the day that I went to visit my mom when she was in a nursing home, and she didn't know me. And um, I will share with you that I walked in and— uh, I had come from out of town because she was in Illinois, and she was sitting at a table, and I walked up to her, and I said, Hi, Mama, how are you? And she looked at me, and she said, Do I know you? And for me, I knew everyone and everyone was looking at me. I'm sure you felt that before. Um, I stood up slowly. I just kind of backed up about eight steps till I could get to the hallway where people couldn't see me. I turned and ran all the way down the hallway, did not turn the coat on and blasted the door open. So, you know, the buzzers all went off, went out to my car and sat and cried for about 45 minutes. And that was, people just don't realize you never anticipate that day. Yeah. You try to prepare yourself but there's there's no way to prepare yourself. It doesn't matter how much you do right. or you know think about it. It happens and then and it and it feels terrible. It does. Mm-hmm. I hate to ask you this, but was there a day when your dad maybe didn't know you? I think he always knew how he felt about me. Mm-hmm. He might he have could not feel that you're his person. Yes. He could feel there was a big connection in our relationship. Mhm. But I'm not sure if he knew exactly who I was. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you could say my name. but the, And I think there were times that I also was mistaken as my mom. Right. Because we had the same name. And I also look—people tell me I look very much like her. Mm-hmm. And so there are—but for the most part, I was lucky with him. I think he knew who I was. Um, but I'm not completely sure on that. Mm-hmm. Even though we've revisited that sad time, I'm sure there are a lot of things that you can see in your life today that you say, hey, I got that from my dad, Mm -hmm. you know? What do you think are some of the best characteristics or values or anything that maybe you feel in a sweet sort of way that your dad gave you? I think there's a part of me that's got a good sense of humor as well. <laughs> I, I definitely love to make people laugh. And 
I think another characteristic I got from my dad was strength. I try to be the rock in my family. I think you it's are. It's not always easy, but I, I do try to um, bring people together and, and hold people up when they're down. And I think I got that characteristic from my father. And another characteristic of his that I, I see is living in the moment, you know, not thinking about the past or the future, but just being in the moment and being present. And I think we think we forget about that sometimes. And I try to remember you got to live in the moment and you got to have fun because those were like two of my dad's like sayings always. So I think, yeah, there's there's definitely some things that I noticed that I am like my dad. How proud do you think he would be that you're working for the Denver Broncos organization now? I think he'd be surprised because <laughs> I was like, Dad, I don't think I'll ever do that, you know. Uh, but I think he'd be very proud. Um, there was a time in my life I really struggled with school and I wasn't doing well and I just wasn't feeling confident with myself. And when my dad started to, you know, lose his memories and, and become more sick, I don't know what it was. It was like a flame ignited in me. And I, I really put myself in school and through my education and applied myself. And so I think he would have been very, very proud because he knows how much of a struggle it was for me. I'm. I don't want this to sound any way other than heartfelt, mm-hmm. completely. But I'm so proud of you oh, that you. you have decided to be very vocal about this. And I, t- I talk to my caregiver nation. That's my listeners, mm-hmm. um, every day about my family. You know, and that. Uh, you know, it crosses my mind. It could be me someday. You know, my I have a long history. Eight people in my family have had this diagnosis. But I refuse to be part of a disease. I am a, I am a person who is enlightening the world and trying to help them see that there are faces behind this disease and they are not the disease. They are a person who has had the disease, right? And you're doing the same thing. Well, thank you. And you have a big platform. And I want you to always be on that platform and talking about it. But I also want to implore you to always be Annabelle and live. Oh, I agree. And live. Even though I talk about it a lot and it is my work and it is, you know, how I reach the world, it's it doesn't all encompass me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so true. And I, I try to be true to myself and, and honest with others. And I I just like being my authentic self, you know? <laughs> that's right. And I, I really do feel great when I talk about it. I don't know why. I just I feel rewarding afterwards mm-hmm. and that I've done something good. Right. Now, this isn't the only person— that has been affected by it in your family. And we're going to shift gears and talk about your mom, your namesake, the beautiful Annabelle Bolin. I've had 
many chances to meet her and talk with her. We share a friend in Denise Snyder, and I would run into her often at Marielle's in downtown Denver, <laughs> a beautiful boutique. And when we come back, I want to talk about your mom and her impact on the world. And it's been a very positive one and a very beautiful one. And um, all the things that you remember about her and her journey. And we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one -on -one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988 to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, I am here in the studio today with Annabelle Bolin, and she is the young Annabelle. <laughs> Your mom has the same name. Mm -hmm. And they call me Little Belle, actually, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know that. I just wasn't sure if you wanted me to say that. Oh, no. I still, I still get Little Belle all the time, and I'm fine with it. I think it's cute. <laughs> <laughs> So before we move on to your mom, I want to ask you a couple of other questions okay. about your dad. So what were some of the first signs that you noticed regarding his Alzheimer's? So because my dad was sometimes reserved, it was hard for me to notice the first really early signs. Um, but I did notice later on the confusion, mm -hmm. uh, the loss of sense of direction. Um, his behavioral changes, mm -hmm. he would get uh, more angry because he couldn't remember what he was talking about or what he was trying to say. Right. And he would start repeating himself. And at the time, we didn't really know much about the disease, so we would correct him or say, you already said that. And um, he wasn't taking as good of care of himself too. So his hygiene was lacking. Um, he was wearing, he wanted to wear his suit every day. Um, <laughs> you know, like his his game day suit, right. which we just kind of allowed that to happen. But it was funny because he didn't always wear his suit everywhere, but he started to wear uh, the same clothes. Okay. And so those were kind of the signs that I started to notice. So what were some of the steps that you took once you did learn a few techniques with him, you know, to make it easier for him and, and even yourself. So, yeah, the, the Alzheimer's Association set us up with a meeting with JJ, and, and she helped us navigate um, 
what we needed to do to maybe redirect him and not correct him. Um, kind of keep calm when he was angry because all of us would get all heated because we're <laughs> such a big, crazy family. Um, and so we just all tried to stay very calm. Um, music was a big thing. Yes. We would play John Denver and the Eagles on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and he loved it. And he would sing along, and it, it would really help him keep calm and, um, you know, not get so angry all the time. Uh, we would discuss old memories with him. Nice. And and show him photographs and, and then share new memories with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were kind of the tips that really stood out to me and, and I still use today with my mom. But yeah, it was it was not easy to navigate. It's not. And a lot of times when the person is impaired, they will go back in time. And people don't realize that. So mm-hmm. they don't go back in time with them. They're not where that person is in time. It's funny that you say that. My dad would actually, we'd be sitting down together and I'd come to visit him and he'd, go, he'd get up and he goes, I need to go, go talk to your grandmother, who's my mom. Right. My, my grandmother passed from Alzheimer's a long time ago. Okay. And so I would just let him get up and, and go, you know, do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But I did think it was strange. Like he, he would go back in time. Mm-hmm. They always do. It's, I, I bet you 99% of the time, it's a strange phenomenon, but they lose a decade about every two to three years mm-hmm. when they get in the mid-stage. And they start remembering more times when they were younger. And people often think, well, I'm talking to the 79-year-old person I'm talking to or what have you. But they think they're 20. Oh, yeah. My mom actually is, I've noticed that more with her than with my with my dad. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. She would, she would yeah. say that she was younger than mm-hmm. me. Um. So in 2009, your dad made a public announcement. Wow. Who does that? And especially a high-profile person. Did that kind of blow your mind? How brave. Yeah, it was actually, I think it might have been 2014 that he made the public announcement. Okay. Um, But yes, he, in 2014, he made a public announcement um, that he had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is usually a private matter. Right. Well, we think it is at the time that Mm -hmm. you don't really share with a lot of people. But we knew with the platform that my, my, my dad knew with his platform and how many people he could reach, he would bring so much awareness to the disease. So true. And he actually got a huge response Mm -hmm. from the community and from people outside of Colorado as well. People reached out and said, I told my family that I have been diagnosed and I have not told them yet. We got a lot of letters about people expressing how it gave them the confidence to speak about it with their families. And we we knew it was going to be big, but we did not see the response being as huge as it was. How did that outpouring of love feel? It felt so nice to have the support 
of so many people and people I didn't even know. I mean, people would run into me somewhere and say, you know, I just want you to know that we support you and I know you don't know me, but if you ever need anything, here's my number, you can call me. There was just so many people that came forward and, and really held our hands. And, and some of those were strangers and fans. Well, how beautiful for that to be twofold. So on the one hand, your dad's sharing it so people feel like they can have that same opportunity to tell another, another family can tell their family members that they have the disease. But then all of a sudden, you guys think you're navigating this alone and realize you have a lot of people around you giving you a virtual hug. Oh, yeah. That, it felt so, so good to have so many people just reaching out and giving us the support and helping us in so many ways. I love that. And, you know, it, it's just so sad when we get this diagnosis, but when we realize that we can find those moments of joy, we can have those, you know, those much-needed hugs, and um, we can have still the love and the caring and the compassion that makes the journey easier. There's there's a lot of days that are not good, but we have plenty of good fun days in the mix of all. <laughs> yes, um, in the midst of all the craziness and the, the, the challenging, you know, obstacles we're trying to face, there are some fun times and there are good memories that can still be made. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I feel that even myself, and I try to bring that to the people I work with. Mm -hmm. So your dad passes away. Mm -hmm. And somewhere in that realm, your mom gets a diagnosis. Yeah, it was, it was literally right before my dad had passed. Oh. Um, well, I guess it was a year, but it seemed, it seemed all very close together mm -hmm. that everything had happened. Um, my mom, you know, was diagnosed in 20, I think it was, yeah, 2018, the summer of 2018. Mm -hmm. You must have thought, why, why, why us? Why us? Mm -hmm. at, at least was, at least for a minute. <laughs> yeah, it was I mean it was life shattering. Um, I, I there was lots of times that I was like, why me? Um, and and someone gave me some really good advice. They said, the reason it's happening is because God knows you can handle it. That's right. And I was like, wow, that's profound. I feel like it happened to my family because I'm supposed to do something with it. Me too. I think that was another reason is I think it was, a you know, in a way, a strange gift for me to give, you know, so many people the hope and, and help and the awareness. We're supposed to be a vehicle. Yeah. I, and I agree. I think I've often said that people always wonder, you know, why they're here. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. I think God put me here for this purpose. Yeah, I think I'm, this is a purpose for us. And this isn't, I, it's not my legacy. It's my, it's my legacy with my mom. Yes. And I want to give you a little bit of hope on something before we dive into your mom. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was one of 10 kids. Only four ended up with some type of dementia. Six did not. I hang on to that for dear life. <laughs> and my mom's dad had it. 
we share this, um, just at least family member in succession. And his aunt had it. So, and now it's shuffled down to my family. So out of six of us, so far two have been diagnosed. But I'm turning 60 in 10 days mm-hmm. and so far no symptoms. Well, that's great. So you hang on to that. All I right? know. I, I, I will uh, try uh, to, my best to hang, <laughs> hang on to it. I know. I do think sometimes this it's so unfair and I do get worried, but um, just keeping up that healthy living style. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me about your mom. Oh, my mom. <laughs> I, I love the smile on your oh, face. Oh, yes. I, I love my mom so much. Um I, you know, I'm kind of her twin in in many ways. We are very much like what I hear from my family and and from her friends. Uh, She was probably one of the kindest people ever. I don't know anyone who is as kind and care and loving as she is. I've met her, and I can attest to that. Yes, she is. She was. <laughs> she is. She's the sweetest. She's nice to everybody she meets. Yes. Very unpretentious. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. She she will be nice to you. Yeah. You know. So she grew up in Canada. Mm-hmm. She was a good figure skater. Yes. She loved that. Yes, she was a Canadian um, national competitor. <laughs> Those Canadians love to skate. Oh yes. <laughs> Did she share that with you? Yes. So um, me and my two sisters grew up figure skating just like her, and we would compete in competitions, and she would come and cheer us on and and do our makeup and doll us up for the competition. She must have been so proud. Yes, she was. And she was, (laughs) you know, she wasn't like every skating mom. She was, she kind of let us do our thing, but she was also very involved as well. Mm -hmm. And, And she... She wanted it to be fun for us, and it, and it was fun. And I still actually figure skate today. Oh, I love that. Yes. So what are some other things that are great memories of you as you were growing up with your mom? Tell us about her. What, what kind of a mom was she? Oh, my gosh. My mom was so much fun. She would take us on the best adventures. <laughs> she would always be trying to think of the next thing we could do as a family, and she would take us to Lonnie Kai Beach in Hawaii, and we'd build, like, a giant sandcastle. And people would be walking by and being like, did you guys build that, taking <laughs> pictures of it? Um, we would go to the water park, and um, she just, yeah, she made life fun. She really did. It was, and, and she would dance with me, and, and we'd sing our favorite songs together. And, um, you know, she still sings with me. But, yeah, my mom made my childhood so great. Like, I really um, don't have many complaints. <laughs> I love yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was a blast. And, <laughs> and, and another thing is, is she was so inspirational. She, um, she had the best fashion. Yes. And so I was very much so into fashion, and I still am because of it. Um, and she... Also was very giving, like my dad was. She, she did so many charity events. She really did. She really stepped up in the community and gave back and um, supported them. So, so what was your mom's favorite holiday? Oh, this is a hard one. I think it was Halloween (laughs) and Christmas. Mm -hmm. But Halloween, she would come in lower school. She would come to our school dressed up as a witch, 
and she would come talk to and like read a story oh. to our class. And no one would recognize her because she literally <laughs> had, like, the nose, you know, the entire outfit, the broom. She literally looked like a witch, and it was, like, the coolest thing. And she would talk and tell scary stories, and no, none of the kids knew it was my mom. And she had a witch's voice that she oh. would use. And that was so much fun. And I have pictures, too. I, 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 still, I, I still look at those photos. Beautiful. And during this last Halloween, I was talking in my witch's voice to her, and she was like, you're not that good at it. And I was oh. like, darn, I thought I could, I could take that over at some point. <laughs> I think you will. Yeah. What was Christmas like? Was she a big, you know, oh, yes. present wrapper, go out and cut down a tree? What kind of mom was she? Definitely not cutting down a tree, but... <laughs> I mean, she might have in, in, you know, years before, but she was all about the presents and the wrapping, and they would have, like, their Santa's workshop down in the basement, wrapping all the gifts. She loved, um, you know, Christmas and and bringing and, and putting together this big Christmas dinner and these Christmas parties. She hosted a Bronco Wives Christmas party, and it was amazing. And we'd come down and give roses to all the, the women after the party. Aww. And she, yeah, she just, she loved Christmas as well. Do you take any of that from her? Do you do those things now? Yeah, I try to, um, you know, get her wrapping presence like you know I try to get like get that same I don't know I can't perfect it she she was an excellent present rapper I'm not the best um but I also eventually will probably have my own Christmas parties and and Christmas dinners um but it, it has been to be honest it has been really hard to put those together right now yeah just because she's still here with us yes and you have a lot on your hands yes it's 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 not the same. Mm-hmm. Does she still enjoy the holiday season? And I think so. Mm-hmm. I think when we put up the Christmas tree and everything, it makes her happy, and she smiles, and she she loves decorations. That was another thing. She would decorate the house to the nines with Christmas decorations every holiday. Was it, it was very decorated, and so I think when we put those decorations up, it brings joy to her. How's she doing now? She's doing good. She's still joyful. Um, She's happy, which is good. Yes. Um, You know, it's not great. I'd be lying if I said it's, oh, it's all great. And it's, you know, but it's it's not. It is very hard. and, And she is quiet. She's definitely more quiet than she used to be. Play a lot of Christmas music right now. Oh, yes. Get her going. <laughs> I need to do that. She's definitely, she she loves music, so. And Michael Buble, that's one of oh, my favorites. Well, don't we all, right? Yes. Yeah, let him croon to you all day long and get her up dancing and everything you can do, right? I know, exactly. What do you think you've learned from your dad's journey that's helpful with your mom? Uh, well, I think with my dad, there were some honest regrets I had and and some big mistakes of just correcting him all the time and not really knowing how to navigate it. Um, I also was struggling on my own with alcoholism at the time that my dad was diagnosed, and I got sober. Okay, good for you. And so I felt like I lost a little bit of, you know, memories and time with him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and with my mom, now that I've been sober for, it'll be seven years in March. Good. Um, I feel like I'm very present and I'm living in the moment with her and I'm, and I'm able to also understand how to handle this disease because nice. with my dad, it was, it was always trial and error. Um, and we kind of, towards the end, were, we felt comfortable with how we were handling things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely learned from those mistakes and, and I tried to, you know, learn from what I did wrong and, and do the best for my mom. Mm-hmm. That's another thing, uh, since you've been so open, I will share with you mm-hmm. is in my younger years, I played in bands for a long, long time, right? And every time you turned around, somebody was giving you drugs. So I didn't have the alcohol problem, but I had the drug problem. I had to go through Narcotics Anonymous and really got clean right about the time my mom got diagnosed, was diagnosed. So, yeah, we walk a similar road. Yeah, well, there. and it's hard. I think um, you are you don't really know how to cope with mm-hmm. the disease right away. Right. And, and you sometimes you're not looking for the right resources or you're not getting the right support. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important to find the right support and the right resources. Right. Do you feel like you as a family unit have really come together to to work with your mom now that your dad went through it? Yes, I think that we definitely come together and we understand the process and how we should handle my mom's, you know, diagnosis and disease now. Um, you, and sometimes it it tears families apart, but sometimes it brings them closer. In my family, it brought us all a lot closer. I was kind of the information resource officer, trying to gather as much information as I could for my family. Yep. Have you had a similar role? Yeah, I, I do. I try to. Um, my sister, Brittany, also has been really helpful um, with, you know, the care and, and the resources. But I definitely am that person who's just trying to bring everybody together and try to figure out what we can do next with mom and how we can all spend time together during this difficult time in our lives. You have such an easygoing spirit. Yes. But but your light shines really bright. I want to tell you that. Thank you. And I hope that brings some joy and some calmness to your family because the more calm you are and the more fun you can have with it, the better that person will do because they feed off of our emotions. Oh, I completely agree. I I tell (laughs) my caregiver nation that every time you walk in the room, you own that climate. Yes. Right? If you're smiling, they'll smile. If you're anxious, they're anxious. Yeah, it's so true. The people feed off your energy. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just, I try to stay positive, but there are times where I am a little bit emotional. I, there's, you can't not have your moments. Absolutely. You can't keep it all inside. Right. And I know you get a lot of help. Yes. But I provide strategies and techniques to my caregiver nation. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything at all that maybe you're concerned about or want to know how you should work with her on something... Mm -hmm. If I can help you today, let me know. I think the one thing that I'm struggling with right now is just um, the com- like the lack of conversations between us mm-hmm. with my mom. Um, I just try to keep talking, but sometimes it's it's it is hard to not have a response from her. Mm-hmm. 
sometimes if you're speaking in the present time period, they can't follow that. Mm-hmm. So your mom, when she had a diagnosis, uh, is unable just by the the presentation of the disease to learn something new. And they struggle with intellectual conversation. So if you find that there are times when she is quiet or maybe turns her attention someplace else or gets up and walks out of the room, you know, things like that happen. Go back to days of old. You talked about that earlier. Ask her if she remembers, and it's okay to say that. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. That, that makes her feel better, like she's a normal person. Not yeah. You're not stepping over your words. Um, when you were a baby or a certain Christmas ornament that you bought it, you know, when you were 10 years old or something on the tree or a favorite memory she had as a child. So if she's getting quiet and you're trying to talk to her in present day, shift to memory lane. And maybe that will bring something out in her. That's really good advice. Yeah, because, I mean, we have to remember that sometimes it's harder for them to understand the present. Right. And, and I've heard that before, but you just kind of, there's a lot of acceptance with this disease. Right. And and I do like speaking about old memories with her. So that's definitely something I will try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just curious Are there any concerns that you and your siblings have about her future care? And I bring that up because I know your dad was at Highline Place for a short time, Mm -hmm. you know, so you actually moved him into a community and then you moved him back home, Mm -hmm. right? Um, What, in hindsight, maybe did you think maybe worked or didn't work in the past? And what kind of concerns might you have about her future? Well, with my dad, we knew that at Highline, I felt, and we had the opportunity to bring him home and have 24-hour care. Um, so that's what we did. And uh, we could tell that at Highline, he was um, progressing more quickly. And when he came home, there was kind of a pause on that. Okay. And so with my mom, we've kind of done the same thing, is we've we've kept her at home and we have 24-hour care. Okay. Um, and that's, it. it's really helped. Oh, I think it, I think it it has, but it doesn't always work for everyone. I will say that um, if you don't have a separate living place for them, um, I don't think it's the best scenario because it can take a toll on us. Mm-hmm. Um, but since we're not home anymore, it's been easier for us to go and visit, and then we can leave when we need to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't think there's anything right now that I can think of. Um, I think that's a good answer. I, think, I really don't. I think I think you answered it. It it you know you have to do what works for you. Yeah. And if you can keep your person at home and you can give them that quality of life and maintain their dignity, that's the yeah. Bottom, it's working right now. That's the bottom line. But I appreciate you asking that because you never know. You don't. It could there could be you know hurdles in the way. If there are, you have people you can call. Yes, you I know. know I can you're, call you. You're not alone, and and uh, you've got you've got an enormous amount of support around you to help you with that. I want to know before we finish today, what kind of things are you doing for yourself to stay healthy? Doctor Potter said to me, Jill, 
gut health translates to brain health. So I went on a diet recently mm -hmm. and lost 35 pounds. I listened to Loda and have that handful of berries and, and salmon a couple times a week. I'm very active hiking and things like that. What do you do? So similar to you, I am very active. Um, I try to figure skate at least once a week. You know, I know it's, you know. Excellent. It's hard to get in there, but I, I try to ice skate. And I work out three times a week. And I have um, a trainer that I see that I've been seeing since I was in high school. And so I've been making that a priority in my life is staying active um, and going on walks, too. Nice. Um, eating salmon, like Dr. Lota said. <laughs> salmon is in my diet. Right. And, yeah, I think also listening to music, um, going on adventures, like if that's hiking or biking or skiing, mm -hmm. that's, you know, do things that make your quality of life fun. Wonderful. Um, and then also just another thing I like to do is, and I, I'm just getting back into this, is equine therapy. Yes. It's with horses. Yes. And it's incredible. Um, I think it really helps me cope with everything. Um, and, and then support groups, too. Good. There's certain support groups that I've uh, gone to with people that are struggling with the same thing that I'm struggling with um, and are my age as well. Right. You know, it's crazy to think that there's a lot of people out there that are my age that are dealing with the same thing because I thought maybe I was the only one. Well, you're not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you being on the show today. Do you have one last message for my listeners? Yes, I would just like to say that even though, um, you know, I talk about a lot of positive things, you know, and, and I do want to keep this positive, but I would be putting on a show if I said that this was easy. It, it is difficult, and, right. and there's so many resources out there. Um, there's so many, there's a lot of support. So if you're dealing with this or you have a loved one that's dealing with this, don't don't not reach out. You have to, you have to make, you know, those moves that maybe you feel uncomfortable, but in the long run, it will help you. Thank you for being on yes, the show thank today. Thank you so much for having me. You're going to touch a lot of people. I hope so. I really do. <laughs> Great. Well, we'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. You've been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.